0: now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. And there's some amazing insights from this passage that we can look to tonight to be inspired and encouraged by. In this brave new world, where every step was a step of faith into the unknown, go out of the ark. He said, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. This is my first point. And this is what I ask people when they feel called to go out in ministry or called to go somewhere that are married, for married couples. I say, are you and your husband in unity? Are you and your wife in unity on this? Because if you and your if your family unit is in unity, you can go for this step of faith. You can go for this thing. You can go for that thing or let go of this and have this radical change in the marriage. The two become one. Now, obviously, there's single people here. There's widows and widowers here and divorces. And it is what it is. But there's a context for all of us that the Holy Spirit can show you right now as I'm talking about this. When we went through Colossians, the Lord really reminded all of us of the family unit and how important the family unit is when we're in Colossians 3. And this is something God has been impressing on my heart over and over in a very prophetic word way in my life this year. That family is family. And God has ordained and blessed the family unit. And that's why the social attacks of redefining family and destroying family are so insidious and evil and demonic in our society. By trying to redefine what a family looks like. And listen, God's definition of family is, have you not read, Jesus said, how he made them male and female. He made them, created with purpose, male and female. And the two become one. And that's the ideal plan. That's God's plan that marriage is a man and a woman, and he determines their gender, and he's created us all with purpose. To this day, there are no accidents. There are effects of sin that affect uh, different vulnerabilities of our human bodies and our minds, perhaps. But God is able to redeem and use all of it for his glory. Who made the deaf, the dumb, and the blind, said God to Moses. Is it not I, the Lord? Or as Jesus said, this blindness is for God's glory. In the Gospel of John, the family unit is so precious to the Lord, and I have learned I can face any brave new world with peace in my home. When you have unity in your marriage, or unity in your home, that's that's the core. That's the heart. That's the heartbeat of the whole human experience. That you're we're tribal. God's designed us to be tribal and each family unit becomes its own new family unit. So for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one. So each family unit is meant to be like a little church unit in of itself and has that relationship that only exists within the family, the covenant between the man and the woman and the stewardship of the children. And it's so special and God has blessed it and ordained it at the highest level of all the human experiences. It's good to be part of a village, but a village doesn't raise the family. Godly parents, led by the Lord, raised the family. And Noah built an ark with godly fear for the saving of himself and his family. That's what Hebrews 11 tells us. That's why he's in the Hall of Faith, because he inspired his family, we saw this last week, in the building of the ark. And it, as I said, if you're an evangelist and no one else comes forward but your family, then that's a good, that's a good crusade. Because his family live with him and they know us best and we're not perfect and we all have our failures and shortcomings and blemishes, but the family unit is redeemed by Christ. And it, it's so special. It's the heartbeat of everything. So we love our wives as Christ loves the church and we respect and submit to our husbands as unto the Lord and God blesses the family unit. We honor our father and our mother and we don't provoke our children to wrath but we we glorify the Lord in our family unit. So when you go into a brave new world like a military family moving around or a ministry family going from here to there or losing letting go of this house and losing it and moving here into a rental thing or whatever, I have found I can do anything and face anything with my family. I've also found if I'm not in unity, I can't do anything. You see, everything around us goes through variables and flex modes, but the consistent that we can establish is the love, the forgiveness, the compassion and the empathy within our family to love and serve one another to the glory of Jesus Christ in that family unit, whoever makes up our family unit, and to pass that on to the next generation and the generation behind them. I've never understood how people neglect their families for pursuit of ministry or pursuit of possessions. Apart from faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing greater in the human experience than the family unit, and we can all accept responsibility to bring faith Our faith in Christ into that family unit to be a blessing to that family unit. To live that life of faith and inspire the rest of the family, whether it be above us, beside us, adult siblings, or our children, or our children's children. But our faith, our faith shown through love and obedience with compassion and humility and forgiveness has the power. It is the catalyst that brings us through the the human experience. In a brave new world, in, in starting over and new beginnings, the family doesn't change. Your family unit is your family unit. And I think of the fosters, Pastor Jeremy and his family. And I've known Jeremy a long time. And of course, he's now living in Boise, Idaho. But him and his wife, Cheryl, met in Alaska doing ministry. And they knew right away they were meant for each other. And they were married about six months later. Now, he showed up at Calvary Costa Mesa in the second year of worship generation there in the sanctuary at Calvary Costa Mesa. And they had just had Emily. They had Danny, their oldest son, and they had Emily. And they were living in Los Angeles. He was doing substitute school teaching and then ministry with some Calvary chapels in L.A. and doing ministry with homeless people. Then God brought him down here. They live in an apartment in what's known as Gospel Gulch where they lived for a number of years and he taught seventh grade science, biology at Calvary Chapel Junior High School. And then at the same time they approached him to become a principal, we felt God was calling him to be the associate pastor full-time here at this church. And he chose this. God confirmed to us that was the right decision. And then they got that house, the townhome they got in Tustin, which is still a miracle how they got that. And then when they, we prayed, you know, for them recently, just a few weeks ago, you know, the kids all grew up. I mean, Micah was born when this church was in existence, and then, you know, Micah's getting bigger, and he left behind his friends just two weeks ago. But Danny's been away at college at Boise State for a couple of years, and Emily graduated high school, and she's flying airplanes with the Air Guard, and it's going to do missionary aviation stuff. So I've watched the foster family grow. We've watched the foster family grow and we watched Jeremy be the coach of the surf team. Then we watched him be the coach of the soccer team. And we watched in all his experiences. And Then watching this last year, I saw it before you did, but him saying, I believe God's going to stir us up and move us on. And now it's a brave new world for Mr. Foster. Just two weeks ago on a Monday, after moving from here on a Thursday night, on a Monday morning, he went to his first day of work as a civil engineer at an engineering firm in Boise. That's a pretty brave new world. I mean, that he got the job is miraculous because he's rebooting his career. He does have a degree from Oregon State in engineering. But he hasn't been in the workforce for 20 years with engineering. And he got the job. And they left everything they knew here to go there. But the one constant in all of that, apart from having friends like the Carangelos or Luke Quarwell and other friends like that there, is it's Jeremy and Cheryl, the family, and they're in it together. They're in it together. We said goodbye to them right after the Lopez's were there, and then we let them say goodbye to their house. You know, you gotta give people space to say goodbye to their house. Do you know what I'm saying? If you've ever been there, like we, well, see you around. (laughs) Just like the Carangellas, they show up. You know, they're bound to show up, right? They all come home in some sequence and say goodbye to the house but they were going to drive up together and that family unit that we watched grow up that came from Los Angeles that lived in Gospel Gulch, that moved to Tustin is now in Boise it's the family unit they've changed environments and they've changed locations but they're still living by faith that faith is still working in them and that's the constant so when it's a, a a changing environment it's a huge step of faith to come off everything you know and move toward what you don't know and you've gone from the bliss to the ice age man the family that is full of faith that is loving that is forgiving that is gracious and compassionate and empathetic and real we might even use the word organic just real that family that's real with Jesus, they're gonna do just fine. And I'm glad in all the changes I've ever been called to since I've been serving the Lord, I haven't had to face any of them alone. It's you and your wife and your family. And I I really like that. Now, if I have to face it down the stretch without, you know, you just never know what life brings you. Just ask Job when you get to heaven. But nonetheless, the Lord is always with us. You and your family, come on. You and your wife, and that's so whatever you whoever your family is, just think about that. And that those are things that really matter. Those are the things that really, really matter. Then he said, a uh, second thing we see is be fruitful and multiply. That's in verse 17. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, like I said, that's what God told Adam. That's the first commandment. If I asked you, what's the first commandment in the Bible? You might not think the first one is be fruitful and multiply. It's the first one on record. The human race has got to get a reboot. Have children. Have lots of children. And they were fruitful and they did multiply. And we'll get in the table of nations and just right around the corner here. Be fruitful and multiply. So they're coming from the transition of what they've known, stepping out of what's not known, but they're together as a family, the consistency in the midst of all the uncertainty. And then here comes that, that familiar frequency the word of god the word of god be fruitful and multiply if you're going to reboot the human race god's going to say the same thing he said to adam now again god said it to adam and he's young and strong and handsome and she's beautiful and they're naked and unashamed noah his wife their kids growing up everything but be fruitful and multiply you see whenever it's a reboot or a redo or a new beginning god's word doesn't change His word is the consistency through all the inconsistencies of the human experience. His word is the known and every unknown. From Genesis to Revelation and every generation of the church, he has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to be reminded of these things when we think about whole new beginnings and radical changes and great upheaval that come to our lives by choice, by chance, if you will, that the Lord's allowed, or by social upheaval and these sorts of things. It all comes through The hands of the Lord. Like John the Baptist said, a man or a woman can receive nothing unless it comes from above. And and God allows these things. Like Job said to his wife, we've accepted blessings. Can we not accept adversity from the Lord? It all serves a purpose. And God's word does not change in that. So the beauty of God's word is that it never changes. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never fade away. And he's given us his word to be thoroughly equipped for everything he has in our life. So as we go through the word of God on our own and we let God speak to us, it's faithful today to be working effectively in those who believe, as we're told in 1 Thessalonians, for us tonight, as it was to bygone generations it sang some of those hymns when they were originally written, as it goes back to the Morovians and those German missionaries who went out and just went for it, you know, a couple hundred years ago. As it goes back to all the different faithful men and women in the church age, wherever they live, if they are in the time of Attila the Hun or whenever they lived, Charlemagne, whatever, God knows. And whether they're in the organized church under the Pope or or rebel churches or state churches during the Reformation, God knows his own and he knows them by name and his spirit confirmed to them they were his and they were saved the same way we are by faith in Jesus Christ and they were born of the spirit just as we have been and they came through their life experiences, however beautiful or difficult they were by the word of God, guiding them, leading them, directing them and transforming them. And see, whatever we face whatever our children are going to face or our children's children are going to face or our children's children's children are going to face, this word will not change. It will be life to them. It'll be a lamp unto their feet. It'll be their cleansing element in their life. It will remain the same. It will always be living and powerful. So even though planet Earth's gone from Kauai on your summer vacation to Siberia and the Russian front, God's word has not changed. And that is very encouraging to me. When I think about my life and all the uncertainty of my life and my future and the uncertainty of your life and your future, whatever comes our way geopolitically, globally, economically, God's word is going to see us through it. God's word is going to see us through it. His word is a comfort. His word is vision, his word is hope be fruitful and multiply is just it's exact same thing he said to adam when we start over with the lord in a brave new beginning he's still, it's the word of god be fruitful and multiply he doesn't change he's change he doesn't change he's the father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning so whatever we might face whatever uncertainty when you wake up on a monday in boys and you're going to work can you imagine jeremy's drive to work two mondays ago i mean you've taken that drive before right We moved to Vermont, and I got that job at the Sheraton Hotel. And I I called it the monkey suit. I wore this green suit, and I, I felt like I was an entertainer. I had a little Joey badge with the Sheraton logo on it. And for a guy getting paid $4.40 an hour, I was very nervous. I think I was more nervous than my net pay should have had me being nervous. I was just so terrified. It was such an unknown thing. It was just completely, it it was completely anything other than I'd ever known. And then that's just during the week. You start the church at the Econolodge. When you're out, outsiders in Vermont, New England, and you're doing a church in their hotel, they don't care. They just want to rent the rooms out and make the money. But you show up with your friends that are from out of state too. And you're doing a church in their hotel and their meeting room and the other meeting rooms where the kids meet. You know what they look at when you, what they look at you like? When you show up to do church and you got to bend with the children's ministry supplies, look, this is a home game. When Heidi and Garrett, everybody moved the children's ministry supplies from point A to point B, it's like it's a church, yeah, it's a church. Listen, when you walk into the Econo Lodge in Burlington, Vermont, and they think you're a cult, and you got to bend with children's ministry supplies, the looks they give you, man, it's a brave new world. It's a brave new world. You know, God might give you an ice age. Maybe you're in an ice age. Maybe he's gonna give all of us an ice age. Hey, the vacation in Kauai, maybe it's over. You just never know. But I'll tell you what got me through those 14 months was my morning devotions and my time with the Lord. And I'll tell you, it's the same thing that gets me through everything I'm facing now. And sometimes his word seems alive. Sometimes it seems kind of flat, but I just keep plowing. Another chapter of Matthew, a couple, I, a couple chapters, Solomon, Ecclesiastes, uh, write in my journal. Be fruitful and multiply. Do what's the obvious to do. Read God's word, hear God's word, do God's word. I knew a number of military people that walked strong with the Lord, both Navy and Marine Corps. And, and those guys, and Army, and those guys that were all in for the Lord, like they, they, the Lord was over everything they did. So they're in Iwakuni Japan. Chris Deans is, you know, he was a worship leader in Virginia Beach, but, you know, now he's going to Iwakuni Japan. He seeks out the fellowship. He seeks out the brethren right there on base. He tries to connect with the chaplain. And that's who we are. That's what we do. But we make time and be fruitful and multiply. So when the, when the ark opens up and God says, get out in a brave new world, the new beginning, take your Bible with you. And let that be your standard in whatever you're doing. What you did here when you lived there and what you do there when you live there. Hey, hey, neighborhood's different. Neighbors are different. God's word is the same. Be fruitful and multiply. And really, you just say be fruitful because that's what God's word is. When we obey God's word, we are fruitful. And then there's a third thing. In verse 20, it says that Noah built an altar to the Lord. In the brave new world of new beginnings and all things that we can face that we don't know, that we don't understand, he came off the ark and he built the altar. And when Job got all the bad news in Job chapter one, if you know the text, it says when the last person came and this happened and the Sabians and this happened, it says that he fell on his face and you know what it says? And he worshiped. When he lost everything in one day, in a matter of minutes, if not hours, It says he worshiped the Lord. When you get the worst news in the world, praise Jesus. When you get the best news in the world, praise Jesus. Build an altar. The altar is the place of worship. It's the place of praise. It's the place where we can say, Lord, you are over all things. You are bigger than these doctors. You are bigger than these these politicians. You're bigger than these neighbors or my boss and these co-workers. You're bigger than it all. And we worship the Lord. The brave new beginning and and starting over in these things, going into your eyes, age, if you will. Man, your family, the clear word of God, but be a worshiper, build an altar, build an altar. And we're going to see as we go through Genesis, altar builders, people who build altars. It was their expression of devotion to the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. Maybe they sang, to, maybe Noah sang a song. Maybe he had a poem in his mind. We don't know. But he built an altar and he sacrificed clean animals. Which would have been atonement and a covering for his sinful nature. But he built an altar. There's a lot of altars in the rest of the Old Testament. And the ultimate altar is Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. But this is the first one. You don't read of any other altars before this. But he came off that ark in a brave new world with a new beginning. And we're going to worship the Lord. That's what we're going to do. We're going we're to worship the Lord. We're going we're to build this altar. And as you go through the Old Testament again, you, you have certain things like the Ebenezer Stone or the 12 stones from the Jordan River that the, took one for each tribe when they came into the Promised Land. And their altars were built and memorials were built to attest to the Lord's faithfulness. But this altar did involve sacrifice. It's, it's an act of worship right here. And it's a reminder how costly redemption is. Because I really like animals. And if I spent a year on a boat with those animals, it'd be really hard to sacrifice one of those animals. That'd be very hard to do for me. But every animal sacrifice from this time on until Christ came on the cross, points to Christ and necessity that we must be forgiven through the shedding of blood, the just for the unjust. These animals were the type of Christ that Noah offered up because they're the just for the unjust. It's the blood of clean animals for unclean human beings. So even in a reboot, even in an ice age, even in a a new beginning, there's going to always be need for that cleansing that comes from the Lord. And there's going to need to be that place. We build that altar where we worship God. We come and we praise his name. I think it's so important in the human experience. You can sing songs of praise when things are going fantastic. And you can sing songs of praise when your whole world's caving in. You can sing the same songs. In different seasons of life, what you're going through, the body of Christ. When we gather here and we sing songs and we pray with one another and we speak life into one another, it's this is our altars. Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us. But we come and we worship. We sing praises to the Lord and we acknowledge the Lord. It really is Matthew six thirty three, where it says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." And then all those other things will be added to you. That altar is putting Christ before all other things in our life when we build those altars. And we say in this brave new world, Lord, you told me to go. I got my family. I know your word's commandments. Your word's not going to change. It's a lamp to my feet. And you've called me to be a worshiper in every human experience I face. So I'm going to worship you on the top of this mountain and I'm going to worship you in the bottom of this valley. I'm going to worship you on the family vacation in Kauai, and I'm going to worship you in the Ice Age because you are God Almighty, and all things are made by you and for you, and you all things consist. This is the lesson of Noah coming off the ark. And maybe God's speaking to you. Go out of the ark. Maybe he's, got, maybe he's brought you through something like this. Family, the obvious word, and a worshiper. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God not ashamed, bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel.